Well, we're in the midst of this sermon series called uh, Summer of Love. And we're looking at love uh, from all these different angles. And, you know, love seems like a pretty straightforward thing to me. Um, it seems like, you know, we, we know what love is. How are we going to spend a whole summer looking at love? But it turns out that there are really a lot of different aspects to love, and especially when we talk about God and his love. And uh, so last week, or two weeks ago, Shannon started this series by talking about that God is love, which is actually a really complex thing to wrap our heads around. Um, last week, uh, Shannon preached about God loves you, which is actually great groundwork for the passage that I've been given for today to talk about. And so, uh, and that is 1 John 4.11, which isn't really a passage, it's a verse. Okay, so uh, we're just going to get right into it this morning. 1 John 4.11 says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Well, that seems pretty straightforward to me. Since God loves you, and you heard all about that last week with Shannon, you should go and love other people. So, I don't really know what more there is to be said about that. Um, that seems like a great message. I think it's a really powerful message and a really important message. And so, I think, let's go do that. So, Stephen, you want to do our closing song now? <laughs> yeah, you're not getting off that easy, no. Uh, because, of course, there's much more to be said. We're looking at Scripture. And what I love about Scripture is that there is always more. There's always deeper and deeper levels. We can read the same scripture over and over at various times in our lives and hear new and fresh things that speak to us. And so this morning I was actually sort of grieving all the things that I wish was in this message because there's, there's so many aspects that you could talk about in talking about this, um, this verse, this passage. Um, so I had to kind of let that go. Just going to cover sort of one aspect of this passage that God has uh, impressed on my heart as I've studied it this week. So um, let's pray, and we'll, we will drill down into this. God, we do thank you for your word, for scripture, for um, this book that you have given us uh, that offers to speak to us. And so, God, this morning we ask that you would open our ears and our hearts and our minds we ask, God, that your Holy Spirit would speak to us, despite anything I might or might not say, God. Uh, we pray that, that your Spirit would speak. We give you this time, uh, we submit to you, and we thank you, God, for this opportunity to come and to worship together, physically and online together. We pray in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right, well, the first thing that we can note here is that uh, this idea or this concept, it probably sounds pretty familiar, right? So if you've ever read anything in the New Testament or if you've heard much Christian preaching or teaching, you've probably heard this idea before. It's, pretty, it's a pretty fundamental one to our faith, right? 
So um, Jesus instructed his followers to love one another multiple times. He said things like, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. He said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, you must love one another. He said, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. So Paul also admonished us to do this in many of his letters. He, he says in Romans, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. And Peter tells us, have sincere love for one another, for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. And John actually says it multiple times in multiple ways in this little epistle of 1 John. In our verse today, again, he puts it this way. Since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. Okay, we get it, right? As followers of Jesus, we are to love one another. And I, I think we can be a little bit dismissive of it because it is so such a familiar thing for us to hear, right? And so we can fail to, to really dwell on this um, frequently. And that's an opportunity we have this morning. And I wonder if in this little piece of scripture that we're going to look at today, if John is actually doing, that he's telling his readers much more than what something they're supposed to do. So do you notice here that John refers to his readers as dear friends. Some translations start say it, beloved. See, this is written to people that John deeply, deeply cares for. And so he's not saying, like, love one another. He's saying, dear friends. He's talking to these people he really cares about. So he must be telling them something that he believes is really good news for them, a really good thing for them to know about, right? So in order to really fully understand his statement here and to, to really get what he's saying, we have to read it in context. Context, of course, is always really important when you're reading the Bible because reading something in context guards against misinterpretation. Uh, we've seen how often cherry-picked verses can lead to misinterpretation. They can be used to justify all sorts of damaging philosophies and actions. So. Context, though, can also offer a deeper and more fuller understanding. It can broaden our hearts and our minds to understand God and ourselves more. So hearing this verse as a standalone statement makes it sound like a command, right? And it's a command that's fairly impossible to obey. It's, it sounds like just sort of a pie-in-the-sky directive to me. <laughs> John says God really wants us to do. But it's something that there's no way we could ever really do because, let's be real, first of all, there are a number of people that we come across in life who are really, really difficult to, to like, much less love, right? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. But if, I, if we're honest, I think we do come across those people. And second... Even with people who we generally, generally love and genuinely love, there are times 
when they just do things that make it really, really difficult to remember that, right? So my husband and I just celebrated our 39th anniversary, and uh, I love him a lot. Oh, thanks. That's <laughs> Praise God, <laughs> because I love him a lot, but I'm going to be honest. There's been a few moments in those 39 years where... <laughs> It was difficult to remember that. So, not very many, but a, f- a few. It's real life, right? This is a tough command. But here's the thing I don't think this is actually a command. It, it looks like a command at first, especially when we see it standing alone. And I think there is some aspect of choosing obedience that's involved or required here. But I think this is actually an invitation. I don't think it's so much prescriptive, telling us what to do. I think it's descriptive, revealing something that's true and good and beautiful about what it's like when we live into our calling as Christ followers. So we're going to take a look this morning at what John says just before this and just after it and see if it gives us some new perspective on this and see if it might even encourage and excite us about some new ways, some new things as we travel on this continual journey to seek to become more fully devoted followers of Christ. All right, so most of chapter 4 is actually about this topic of God's love for us and this whole idea that we should love others. But we don't have time to look at the whole chapter. (laughs) We're just going to focus on the two verses right before verse 11, which gives us at least some immediate context uh, for this powerful little statement. So 1 John uh, John 4, verses 9 to 10, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So this is basically what Shannon preached last week, right? That God loves us, that he sent his son to save us and give us eternal life, that God who is love made his love manifest It was demonstrated, it was made evident, it was proved in and through this act of sending Jesus, this intentional act of sending him to be with us, to take on the punishment for our sin so that our relationship with God could be restored. In and through that, God demonstrated how much he loved us. Shannon talked about all that last week. But maybe you weren't here last week. (laughs) Or maybe you are like me, and you need to be reminded about this pretty frequently. Maybe you find it easy to believe for others, but deep down it's kind of hard for you to believe for yourself. Or maybe you're just a little skeptical of this whole idea. I'm really glad you're here. Give it a chance. Mull it over a little more. Hear some more. Think about it some more. But wherever you are on that continuum, this is where we have to start today because this is one of the keys that unlocks the deeper meaning of that verse 11. 
also because this is where John starts. So John reminded his readers here before getting into that verse 11 that God revealed himself to us by sending his son. So remember, God is love. So in sending his son, he showed himself. He revealed his true nature. It wasn't just a loving act. See the difference? Not just an act, but it was a revelation of who God is. So we could see who he really is. Which, again, is just this kind of crazy thing to wrap our heads around. You might need to go back and listen to Shannon's sermon from a couple weeks ago. That's why, we, that's why this series started there. It's a really fundamental thing to understand, to try to grasp. And John tells us that there's divine purpose in this. And it is so that we might live through Jesus. So life is somehow offered through Jesus. Okay, so now we know that life, that because of Jesus, we're offered life that is eternal, right? We know that. And that's certainly part of what is being said here, absolutely. But that life is also to be enjoyed in the here and the now. And that life is abundant in the here and now. It's a life where fear and shame and guilt no longer have any hold on us. It's a life that's filled with hope, no matter what our circumstances. It's a life where we are assured that we are never alone, no matter what we're facing. God is present with us through his Holy Spirit. And we can live freely and confidently. This is the abundant life that's offered through Jesus. So John goes on here now to remind his readers of God's initiating grace. That love for us which he manifested and exhibited through sending his son. Which he didn't do because of anything we did to deserve it. This was not in any way transactional on God's part. John wants that to be really clear. It wasn't in response to anything that we did. It was just because God loves us. And because of all this, since God loved us, since he took the initiative to come to us in Jesus, since we receive and enjoy the amazing benefits of that love, then the natural outcome from all that would be that we would love one another. See, John's just built this incredible argument, right, to demonstrate that this is what would naturally happen. See, it's not so much a command, but ideally at least, a natural product, a result. This is just how things work. It's like an if-then statement. I think those are from algebra, right? It's like if you put a bucket under a wa water spigot that's turned on, what's going to happen? 
the bucket's going to fill up, right? And then the bucket's just going to overflow. That's, that's just natural. That's what's going to, it's going to spill everywhere. And that's what this whole idea of God's love and loving others is about. This is, this is the imagery we're given. He's, he pours his love. He has poured his love into us. And so it, it will just naturally spill out all over the place onto the people around us. At least that's how it should work, right? <laughs> but there are a couple of things that can go wrong that kind of muck this up. The first one is our sinful, selfish nature, which is always fun to talk about. But, you know, it's that part of us that's just really most naturally concerned about our own needs above the needs of others. Us first, right? So we can be more like, you know, God, pour into me. Let me receive. Give me lots and lots of that love. I need that. And by the way, sometimes we're really specific in the ways that we expect love from God. And we give him some pretty clear instructions. And then if he doesn't respond in the way that we want, uh, we can get kind of perturbed with him, feel he isn't loving us actually. But full confession, been there, done that. <laughs> but that's really a whole nother sermon. But it, it, it can be tempting to make our spiritual lives all about our personal relationship with God, right? And honestly, American Christianity in the last 50 years or so has been sort of obsessed with this idea of a personal relationship with Christ. And I'm not saying that that's not important. That is really important. A personal relationship with Christ is really fundamental. But the problem arises when we see that as the end goal, when that is actually just the starting point. See, personal relationship with God is not the end goal. It's the starting point. It's fundamentally important, and nurturing that is vital, absolutely, but there's so much more to the Christian life. And that's where it actually gets exciting. We need personal relationship with Christ so that our bucket is continually filled up because we do have this tendency to spring leaks because we live in this broken and sin-filled world and we have sin in us. But the problem arises when instead of letting what has filled our bucket overflow onto others, we simply enjoy God's love for us and sort of revel in that without giving any thought to how that love which we are experiencing may be meant also for the benefit of those around us. So that's one problem that can arise. But the other and perhaps more obvious thing that can happen, metaphorically, is that we can simply fail to position our bucket to allow the flow of God's love to pour steadily into us. Right? Because there's a little effort involved here sometimes. So, you know, maybe once a week or so, like, say on a Sunday morning, 
we move ourselves so that we get under that spigot for about an hour or so. Or maybe we read the Bible or in pray or in some way we move ourselves under that spigot for 20 or 30 minutes a couple times a week or maybe a couple times a month at least because, you know, we're really busy. So um, whatever it is. I can tell you, though, from personal experience that um, that's really not enough to keep your bucket full. It may keep it from being completely drained, but it's not going to be full. It's really hard to get up to capacity that way. And, you know, the good news is God just has so much more to offer us, right? He's ready and willing and able to generously pour his love into us. And the only way to experience a life that is joyfully and naturally overflowing to others, rather than feeling that we're somehow obligated by our faith to love others, see, that can sneak in there so easily. The only way to avoid that is to regularly instill practices in your life that connect you to the truth and the reality that God loves you. He really does. Practices that allow you to regularly reflect on and receive that abundant, generous, overwhelming love that God has for you. So we're going to go back to that in a few minutes, but first I want to move on and just look at the rest of the story from our passage today. Because right after we read those now very familiar words, dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another, John says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Okay, this should really blow our minds. Like, this is, this is a huge statement when you unpack it. I mean, you can just read right over this. and It feels kind of comfortable. But if you really think about this, this is a mind-blowing statement. Because John is saying that in this act of loving one another, somehow God, who's never been seen by anyone, you know, the creator of the universe, somehow lives in us. He acts through us. And in us, he becomes known to us. We're, we're somehow brought into an intimate relationship with him. I mean, ponder that for a minute. That's astounding. John goes on to say that this revelation of who God is is made complete in us. And that word complete, it's sometimes translated perfected in other versions, but it's actually this, it's a really active word. Um, it means like more like brought to completion, like it implies this ongoing action. So in our acts of loving others, Oh, and somebody else is going to cover like what those acts actually are. That's going to be a sermon later this summer. So that, the practical part's coming. That's not today's message. Um, but in these acts of loving others, when we love others, we're somehow participating 
in God revealing himself to other people more and more and more and more to completion, which is pretty amazing. No one has seen God, but he can be seen by others when we love others. When we do so out of that knowledge and awareness of God's love for us. This is really a key point. See, we can't just be trying to love others out of a sense of duty. We can't read this verse as a command. We can't, we certainly can't love others in order to earn God's love. It's not, not how it works at all. See, loving others has to come out of this deep sense that we have of God's unearned, generous, abundant, unconditional love for us. And then when we do that, we're invited to be a part of revealing the goodness of God to the world. We're invited to something that is much bigger than ourselves, which is kind of exciting, I think. We're invited to be a part of God's grand story that began in the Garden of Eden that will be brought to completion when Jesus comes again in glory. And we're invited in the midst of that. We have a part. And all we really need to do is accept the invitation to position ourselves to allow God's streams of living water to pour out on us. And that's not a one-and-done act. We need these rhythms in our lives where we can connect with and receive God's love for us, where we are regularly being led beside quiet waters, where, we're, where we regularly lie down in green pastures, and where regularly our souls our souls are being refreshed. So I don't know what that looks like for you. And so what I want to do this morning is actually give you guys a few minutes to reflect on that, on that idea. Are there ways maybe that God is nudging you this morning to build in some new rhythms or some old rhythms in your life that could help you to experience his love for you? Are there some practices that you maybe need to think about implementing so you are positioning your bucket to receive what God's love that he wants to pour into you? Or if, if you're really good at this, if you actually are, have practices, regular practices that you do and you are, you are really in tune with this whole idea, Maybe spend a little time asking God, you know, where he wants you to spill out. Maybe there's some new places he wants that love to be poured out. He's got some people who need to know him, and they, he needs you to show that. God is present in this place. God is present with those of you who are at home or online watching this. 
We sang this morning, I sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. Our lives are really busy. This is an opportunity to just have a few quiet moments with God, to listen to how he might be whispering to you. He might be whispering to you about the love he has for you. This, this may be the time and the place he wants you to know that today in a new way, in a deeper way, in a fresh way. He might be calling you to some new practices, to some new obedience, to get to know him better, to understand this more. He might be calling you into fellowship with others. You know, and that might be for some of you online, this may be an important thing. Like, we sometimes need to be the recipients of other people's love pouring out on us, right? So we maybe need to position ourselves around some people who are followers of Christ and, and let their love flow on to us. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. I just know God is here. God loves you. God is ready to speak to you. And amazing things could happen as a result of grasping this. So you have just a couple minutes. I think Stephen's going to play a little music for us and uh, just give you maybe two minutes to reflect. There's some papers you can write on that are in the pews if you want to take, you know, write something down. If you hear a little, hear a little whisper of God telling you something, write it down or do a note in your phone. Or if you're at home, that's so convenient. You can just get a pencil and paper. Um, listen and trust. I sought the Lord and he heard and answered. It's a promise. Let's pray. Father, forgive us for when we take your love for granted, when we move through our lives so quickly, when we're concerned uh, with ourselves and our own needs, and we forget the true high calling you have given us to be bearers of your love in this world. God, would you come and dwell with us in this place, in our homes, in our hearts. We thank you, God, for your son, for what you have done for us, for the revelation you have given us of who you are through him. And we pray all of this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.